Hey, we're pleased to uh, once again be joined by Tony Basilio, of course, the great Tony Basilio there in Knoxville, host a radio show weekly, the voice of the common fan on 99.7 FM, 1040 AM, every day from 11 to 1. Tony, I really appreciate you hopping on the show. Mike, I love you, man, and I'm so excited for you. Free at last, <laughs> Michael Bratton, free at last doing your own thing and uh by the way taking our industry by storm you are the talk of our industry uh, right now in our southeastern footprint the success you've had now that you're out on your own and you know it's kind of what i've done for years and years and years and years and years on my own website mm -hmm. and uh man you're going to absolutely love this you're really going to grow i'm excited for you well, I appreciate the kind words, and it's uh, because of people like you that gave me the confidence to make this move, Tony. So I truly uh, appreciate uh, everything that you've done for me and uh, the outstanding work you've done, just being the voice of the fan there. And there's no one that does it like Tony Basilio. All-nighter shows. Shiano Sunday, as, as terrible of a day as that was, it was almost my favorite day because Tony went, how many hours did you go that night? We went 11 hours that night. We're going 13 hours for the opener. 13 hours for the opener, SEC Mike. 13. We're, we're going to, as soon as the game's over, mm -hmm. we're going to be taking phone calls till 1 o'clock the next afternoon. The way I figured, it'll be midnight till 1 a.m. the next afternoon. And then that night, I play in a um, music group. We're going to play. I didn't know this when we scheduled this. But I looked at my schedule and realized that Friday I'm playing music out uh, at a spot called Corner 16 in West Knoxville, which means when Saturday morning rolls around, I'm going to be like in the fourth corner of my mind. I'm going to be so tired. <laughs> well, I cannot wait for it. it uh, if you need me for that show, just let me know. I'm, I'm happy to, to join you for as long as you want. But. Yeah, that's obviously the big topic there uh, in Knoxville. The Josh Heupel era starting this Thursday against Bowling Green. Do you think Josh Heupel uh, is the right man for the job? I want to start with that one. You know, the bottom line with that is we're going to find out, aren't we? Mm -hmm. um, I know that's kind of a lame answer, but who knows? Kind of like, you know, Joe Milton's going to be the starting quarterback to start. Is he the right quarterback uh, for this deal? Can he do it in this league? Uh, can he atone for what happened at Michigan? You know, the thing I like about Heupel, Mike, is that he's at least had, um, I think, a really great tone that he set with his team. I think they like him. I think they're going to play hard for him. Um, do they have enough material to withstand the rigors of a Southeastern Conference season by the way, by time they get to the back part of their schedule, which is more generous, uh, time will tell. But uh, in this first game with Bowling Green, how will uh, Joe Milton look? How will the offense look? They're playing a dreadful football team. And really the season begins for Tennessee when they play Pittsburgh mm -hmm. uh, in, in the second game because that's a real swing game for the Vols against a good college football team. Yeah, so you hit on Joe Milton there. I really wanted to ask you about him. I mean, the guy's he's built like a Greek god. And, yep. uh, you know, the same hype he was getting at Michigan going into his uh, first time starting uh, this time last year. You know, there was some 
I mean, hell, some insiders were saying maybe this guy could contend for the Heisman Trophy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, obviously he didn't get it done at Michigan. Maybe that's on uh, Harbaugh. Maybe that's on the COVID. I don't know. But uh, what, if anything, can you tell us on uh, why he's the starting quarterback for Tennessee in the season opener? He has the physical pull that coaches love. That's why. And the other thing is, they look, um, one of the guys here um, – who is a part of their quarterback stable is a highly recruited uh, kid, Harrison Bailey. And, you know, he's kind of the great white hope as they say in the trade, mm-hmm. but Harrison Bailey doesn't have the arm strength that Milton possesses. He doesn't have the ability to make plays with his legs and elude rush that Milton has. And he doesn't have the ability in space to run people over that Joe Milton does. The bottom line with Joe Milton is, he is going to be asked to run around in this offense, but they need him to get out of bounds, protect himself. The other thing that Joe Milton's got to be able to do that he hasn't displayed so far in his college football career, and I'm just going off what he, what he did at Michigan, mm-hmm. and at times this camp, is be consistent throwing the football. You know, in this offense, you got to be able to make the little plays. And then when, the, when it's not there, don't trust your arm strength, but get rid of the football. You know, don't be like a Jarrett Garantano and, you know, try to force balls in the traffic or th- throw balls where make try to make plays where they're not. Just get rid of the ball. Live the fight another day. Now, do you think this uh, defense, were they going to be able to stop anybody this year? The, the defense? Yeah. I mean, I, do you think it's – the way I kind of equate it is I, th- I think best case scenario, last year you look at what Ole Miss was. I mean, high-flying, explosive, but uh, couldn't stop an old woman crossing the street. I kind of see that uh, that same model for Tennessee, or am I being a little too pessimistic on the defense? No, but they've had a couple of guys really step up in the preseason camp, um, and Byron Young's a guy to watch. Um, he has been unblockable at times in camp. He's going to play defensive end, former outside linebacker, depending on what you want to call it, but really he's there designated pass rusher. There's a local kid over here, Tyler Barron, who was heavily, highly recruited. They really need him to take the next step. They do have some, they have a good number of guys like a Matthew Butler, a Latrell Bumpus who played some, uh, played some football for him. But really at the end of the day, they need a couple of guys out of a group of about 10 to emerge there. And the, the truth and the proof will be in the pudding where Tennessee is really in, in, in tough and rough shape is, um, is a linebacker. Um, they have all kinds of, uh, defensive ends that we were talking about before, like Elijah Simmons, the highly recruited guy, Omari Thomas, another highly recruited guy. They just had a, they've had a bunch of guys just haven't panned out. In their linebacking core, Juwan Mitchell, who's a transfer from Texas, is somebody that they're going to kind of count on the quarterback to deal. People I talk to from Texas say that he was just a guy down there. Mm-hmm. He was just a just an average player at best. Um, you know, but Tennessee's so thin that that was big news when he transferred in. Jeremy Banks is, a, is another guy that's been in trouble a few times here. Jeremy um, is a is a guy at times that 
uh, in the past when he's played here has looked pretty aimless on a football field, though he is extremely athletic. And then you've got guys like Karat Garland, Morvin Joseph, who was a highly recruited guy that Jeremy Pruitt brought in here, uh, Aaron Beasley, Apache, Apache Mohan. Um, so, uh, you know, as, as Matt Dixon, uh, who writes for me over at uh, tclub.team said, he said, here's his line. Imagine Tennessee's linebacking core from last season trying to cover the middle of the field versus Heupel's offense. He said, you talk about something that's hashtag not suitable for work. And he is exactly right. Um, But um, that's really going to tell the tale for Tennessee because I'll tell you what, man, they have found some pretty good players, they feel like, in their secondary. There are a couple of young kids in their secondary, including Deshaun Rucker, who is the fastest player on the team and was from the jump. Uh, and Christian Charles, who's a three-star player out of the state of Georgia, true, two true freshmen that are going to have impacts on, on a group that has some, some upperclassmen. But uh, Christian Charles has had a really good go at it, as well as um, uh, the aforementioned rocker. So I think Tennessee defensively, I mean, everybody's bad now, you know, because of the way the game is played. You and I both know that. I think they're going to be better than people think they're going to be. My question is, are they going to get good enough quarterback play to effectively do what Josh Heupel wants to do on offense? And are they going to locate enough wide receivers in order to play the way Heupel does? Because, you know, the assumption is they've got a bunch of receivers over there. I'm going to give you a dirty little secret. They don't like their receiving core. I mean, that's something that a lot of people won't say out loud. But to this point, uh, going as we are here, late in camp, we're in game. Well, we're not even in camp anymore. We're in game week. They're not in love with their receiving core. I don't know if I can say that out loud, but you know, I, I'm just trying to call it like I see it here. Now you mentioned this pit game, week two, mm-hmm. Johnny Majors Classic. I think they're calling it. Mm-hmm. How big of a game is this? Uh, you know, in, in many factors for Tennessee season to to get to the postseason if they're eligible. I think you got to beat Pitt. And the way I kind of view this, fair or unfair, Josh Heupel is going to be judged, I think, by a large base of the fans that maybe are on the fence. If he, if he loses this pit game, I think, you know, it's not like they're going to turn their back on him, but they'll just they'll think, oh, this is another Butch, another Derek Dooley, another Pruitt. Uh, how big is that pit game week two in your mind? You know, look, I, I don't think the fans are going to be drawing any judgments this year, but. You know, the, the bottom line with Pitt is here's a team that played, you know, they played the ACC only schedule last year, went five and five. They're a team some people think could win their division. They got a big quarterback uh, in uh, Kenny Pickett, who probably would have been an NFL draft choice if he would have come out. And this year, you know, he comes back for his senior season. And it's a guy that threw over 2,400 yards last year. But he had an interesting touchdown-interception ratio. I think it was like 13-9, which, you know, at the end of the day, you want to force a guy like that to throw it up. But um, he has been there forever, played a lot of football. It's a noon start in Knoxville, uh, which is a good time to pick somebody off in your building if you don't come in there half asleep. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing about Tennessee, you know, 
Tennessee wins that game. All of a sudden, they're a little bit alive uh, heading into the the end of um, the the end of September because they have a trip to Florida, who's going to be, as you know, offensively challenged with all the losses they've had. Florida's lost too many impact players to think they're just going to be not a work in progress in the first month of the season. And, you know, the thought over on the Hill, which we call it here, is that if they can get past that Pittsburgh and get ahead of steam, they might just have a shot to uh, go down there to Florida. And, again, that's another noon start, which sort of throws, uh, you know, sort of throws the uh, deal into who knows if you catch a team half asleep. We see that here in this conference. So Tennessee really needs the pit game, though, because if they don't get the pit game, um, if you look at their schedule, it's going to be kind of an uphill climb to get the six wins unless they can knock somebody off they're not supposed to. Well, speaking of that, I don't know if you consider this an upset or not, but uh, you know, all all Tennessee fans they they always circle the Florida game. You just mentioned it, Alabama, Georgia. Those are the big dogs that everybody wants to beat. But how much could Josh Heupel stand to gain from beating Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss in Neyland Stadium come October sixteenth? I think that may be the biggest game on the schedule for uh, Josh Heupel. What do you think about that? You know, again, I, I think this is such a year zero for Heifel. I think the fan base, I'll I tell you, I, I bathe in this every day mm-hmm. and do so much talk radio and, um, and and really take seriously trying to get a sense for what the fan base is thinking, feeling. I think people have um, sort of taken a real shine to Heifel. Now, if they come out and their offense looks dreadful against Bowling Green, uh, maybe the bloom comes off his rose a little bit, but I think most people have been pretty forgiving this year. And most people realize that uh, Lane Kiffin has had a little bit of a head start uh, being down there a year early to install what he wants to do. And they were pretty high flying last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, that game right there, think about it, that game could take four and a half hours if Tennessee has a good, uh, solid quarterback. And again, I don't know whether they do yet on that roster. I don't know. Like with Joe Milton, to me, it's like betting on how many raindrops are going to fall, uh, next Monday here, you know? (laughs) Um, I mean, how in the hell do you know that? And how would you know if it's not Joe Milton, uh, can Hendon Hooker step in there and do the job? Who could step in there and do the job? Could anybody step in there and do the job? that's on their roster. Because here's the thing. If they can't find somebody that'll play quarterback and play it consistently and play it well, team like Ole Miss going to blow Tennessee out. I mean, that's just the name of the – that's just what it's going to be. However, if they can find somebody, if they can find somebody that can do it, then away you go. I, I think it'll be very interesting to see how that'll work. All right, last question for you, Tony. I really appreciate all your time. You know, what is the latest – you know, who, who in the hell knows when the NCAA is going to crawl out from under their rock and make a ruling here, but uh, what can you tell us about what you're hearing with uh, Tennessee and, and the NCAA investigation, and and if uh, you, based on what you know or what you're hearing, what kind of penalties the Vols are potentially looking at here? I think Tennessee's strategy on this thing is kind of vacillated, and I give them credit for that. Think about you go back to the middle of June, I kept hearing internally from my sources 
that they were going to self-report and do something akin to, now I don't like this because to me, the NCA doesn't, doesn't exist anymore in the MAT, but I think they're vacillating. uh, Tennessee has because now I think their strategy is to wait until the constitutional convention from the Southeastern conference occurs and wait and see what the new rule book looks like. And then take what they've been accused of, match it to the new NCA rule book and say, okay, can we get some mitigation here? I gotta tell you, if they do that, that's a smart move. Now, some would say, if you do that, you're waiting longer and you may hurt this upcoming recruiting class. I don't know how true or isn't or or not true. Uh, that happens to be. I, I I can't pretend to know that. I don't think any of us can. Again, it's like uh, how your quarterbacks play this year when you have no earthly idea. But if you look at it and you just logically, and this is a discussion they've had internally. And Danny White spoke about this, and then he got his hand slapped. His words by I believe the chancellor over at Tennessee, who's above him, why I have no idea, but she is, um, because this should be his, this should be, this is his realm. Mm-hmm. This is something he should be handling in, in, in concert with the president over at Tennessee and the board. But that said, cause she wouldn't know a football from a baseball, no offense to her, but you know, she's, she's an academic. Um, but that said, he got his hand slapped for saying, you know, we're working on some things, yada, yada, yada. They are right now trying to figure out what's a smarter thing. Is a bird in the hand worth two in the bush? Do we go ahead and impose something? Or if we go ahead and impose something, are we going to look silly and foolish by showing our hand when some of this stuff is getting ready to become passe. Now, I will tell you, I think they've had internal discussions about doing a bowl ban this year, maybe for two years. I also think they've had internal discussions about uh, scholarship reductions. Now, are they are they of a significant uh, number? I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. Um, the one thing that's interesting is I don't know if you've seen this, but there is some proposed legislation out there that for schools that have been hit hard by the transfer portal, that they are going to get a bunch of scholarships back. Tennessee this year with the 25 kids that left, probably 18 of whom were players that were real legit scholarship type players. I mean, they count guys jumping into the portal that are, you know, walk-on types and that sort of thing. I mean, no offense to those guys, but, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. But the 18 or so that are scholarship players, there's some kind of move afoot now where instead of getting 25, you'd get 42 signees or whatever, however the number, just to make the numbers work out, which makes sense to me, by the way. It should make sense to everybody. The thing that's going to be really interesting to see is, will Tennessee self-report in early September Or will they walk to the line and wait to see what happens in October with the NCA? If you're asking me to guess, I would say, and I'm not trying to cop out here, 
But I'd say it's a real coin flip because I think internally they're still having vigorous discussion about that right now, uh, Mike. That's my read on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, who in the hell knows when the NCAA is going to come out from under their rock. So I do appreciate uh, your insight on that because that's the number one thing I get asked when it comes to Tennessee. So, of course, he's Tony Basilio, the great Great Tony Basilio. Got to check his show there every weekday in Knoxville, 99.7 FM, 1040 AM from 11 to 1. Can I plug something real quick? Absolutely. We're doing out after the Bowling Green State game. If you go over my website at TonyBasilio.com, we're going to be taking uh, reaction from the Tennessee fans and really celebrating the fact that college football is back all night and we do some of these super shows we've never done one like this after the florida game several years back we did a seven hour broadcast and these are commercial break free and i can promise you this this is from guys like matt jones etc up there in kentucky people all around the country tell me there's nothing like it what we do now now sec mike was telling me his father uh, listens in on on the, and what's your pop's name by the way mike uh michael bratton senior michael <laughs> mr bratton thank you thank you for the love and uh, as philip former would say as he mispronounces the word caduce to you for raising such a great son you should be very proud we love uh we love sec mike but sec mike thank you for letting me get that plug in and sec mike himself is going to jump on with us now before we started here today, I told SEC Mike, he said, then what time would you want me? And I said, we can do a little reenactment here. I said, how about about 1 a.m.? And you went, oh, what? <laughs> come on, Mike, I'm going to be up till, come on, Mike, I'm going to be up till noon the next day. You can stay up till 1 o'clock in the morning, SEC Mike. Come on, man, you can do it. Yeah, the juices will be flowing for sure. So anytime, I don't care if it's uh, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., whatever, I'll be there. Now, those are famous last words. I'll, I'll slot you in for three. How's that sound? <laughs> I'll set my alarm now. How about How's that sound? <laughs> hey, I really appreciate you, man. Thanks for all the great work you do. And uh, always a pleasure to visit with you as well on our, on our show.